Anna and Elisa and it is us who are northern in France, yeah. <laughs> Should we talk like that from now on? We'll lose all of her any sort of German <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> it is an exciting time to listen to us, yeah. Have you been doing Duolingo? I have been doing Duolingo. <laughs> But not for German lately. How's your German lesson going? Good. I am progressing. Mm -hmm. I try to do it, or I have a, a streak going. I'm almost to 40 full days. Dang, girl. I broke my streak. Oh, bummer. But yeah. Good job. Bummer. Um, <clears throat> um, what was I going to say? Um, I wish I could dedicate more time, mm -hmm. but I do feel accomplished that I at least get my daily XP mm -hmm. goal. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's where I can only put it working but yeah. um I, I actually really like it because you remember when we first chatted about it all we kept learning about was Bort and Wasser yeah when yeah. we both did German both did and I was Wasser. like is this what Duolingo is but as I get progressed now it's it's tons of different things yeah. so I feel like they were just very basic for the first they're couple like, lessons like, this is all you need to know right <laughs> bread now. and water bread and water <laughs> It. If you got randomly dropped in Germany <laughs> at some point, you could be fed. You could be fed and watered. watered. <laughs> <laughs> you could go to a restaurant and just be like Brot und Wasser, and they'll be like, "And what else would you like?" And you'd be like, mm -hmm. mm, "Brot und Wasser." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I really have enjoyed it. I yeah. I like it. Have you done the reading part? Because remember, I pointed out there's a reading. Oh yeah. No. The stories or whatever. No. That's really fun. You should yeah. try it. Yeah. And they are the ones I've tried are like basic. They're not hard, and they have like a transcript and everything. Okay. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, I'll give it a try. I did learn. Now that I say this, like I learn a new phrase. Yeah. I don't know, like remember all the words to the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> But it was, hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> and I'm going to look it up because do. that way I can pronounce That's it. That's like flirty. Well, I saw it and I was just like, I'm like, hello, is it me you're looking for? And I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> Harry. Okay, Google. I'm the angel of your life. Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> Put it on your profile in, in the language you're trying. <laughs> I'll just put it on my... Uh, dating app someday. Yeah. yeah. And it'll just get a bunch of Norwegian guys and I'll be like, okay, I don't know anything else. <laughs> this is the extent. <laughs> You'll have to teach me stuff because I don't know. Okay, Norwegian. Hi. And I may do serotonin. Very good. So, yeah. so I kept like yelling at that bandit one day and she's just like, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Layla and Zena have been getting a lot of German words mm -hmm. yelled at them. Mm -hmm. Like, Wasserbuffel. Wasserbuffel. <laughs> That's Layla's new nickname, mm -hmm. just translated into German, because mm -hmm. we've always called to her water buffalo. <laughs> and I was like, meant to be. how fun, you can say Wasserbuffel. Wasserbuffel, and she'll be like, mm -hmm, yeah, me. I love water. <laughs> I'm a buffalo. <laughs> Perfect. It's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. A lot of the phrases that I've learned, you think that there's like somebody can like break in again. And I was like, no! Our <laughs> time! Um, you ruined it. You ruined my <laughs> Did we ever talk about the result of that interruption? On the podcast? I think so. I think okay. like the next episode we were like, I was just kind of like, well, let me tell y'all. <laughs> I was a mean person. Yeah. We, it was not our defining moment. No. Like, we were not no. shining examples of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing that we were in a pandemic. I mean, not, it's, that's not a good thing that we're in a pandemic, but it's a good thing that we're not on campus every day. Yes. <laughs> so people don't see us. <laughs> Well, it's like, I keep telling my mom um, that I'm becoming more feral every day, <laughs> not being around more people. Mm -hmm. And I saw a TikTok recently where somebody was just like, I just so everybody knows I'm 97% feral now <laughs> and I cannot be reintegrated into society. Yeah. And I was like, oh, other people like me. It's true. Yeah. How, how we interact with society and just people we don't know will be very interesting when right. we all start to integrate again and yeah i'm just getting like used to like other people just we're just looks, like side eyes all the time or what <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Just trying to give you your soup. <laughs> Will you take it? <laughs> <laughs> Just put it down. <laughs> Like, I saw another TikTok mm -hmm. where it was like this woman, and she's just like got this like crazy like pigtail hairdo, and she's like eating something, and it's, like, the background was just like, all right, we gotta go now, and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yep. if that's not me, that me, <laughs> that's me, that me, that's for sure, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do we get here? We were talking about German. You got to German. Oh, your introduction, <laughs> right? think so. That's where we got? Yeah. Where started. So we'll just start off with a reintroduction now because okay. we've gotten this far and everybody's like, who are they? What do they talk about? Yeah. Besides Wasser Waffles. Wasser Buffels. Excuse me. It's Um, We're Northern Frights. I'm Anna. And Alyssa. And we're the duo, what is that song from? American Tale. It's like, we're too old. I Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. sorry. I don't know. Yeah. But I know what you're referencing. That's fine because everybody else is just like, and <laughs> <laughs> um, we're the podcast mm -hmm. that talks about what? Creeperies, weirderies, <laughs> shenaniganries, murderies, and otheries. In the Midwestery. <laughs> Midwestery. That's how I'm gonna do it from now on. From just now. an F and F an FYI. <laughs> Got it. Memo Got it. received. Yep. yep. I like it. Yeah. So are we gonna rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, we were done that for a minute. Okay. Oh, we always do the same. Okay. Oh, paper beats rubber. <laughs> always is That's a I crush you. You crush with my me rock. With your rock. <laughs> did, by the way, did you hear me yelling at my computer before we started this today. I don't recall for sure. So have you ever watched the show Big Mouth on Netflix? Nine. Okay. It's dirty as heck, but it's hilarious. Okay. It's a show about like puberty. Oh it's kids. Yeah. Cartoon cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. So there's one character named Lola mm -hmm. and it's done by Nick Kroll. Okay. So her voice sounds like this. <laughs> and so I'm like sitting at my computer and I'm just like, I just want you to print. Why don't you print for me? <laughs> How much effort it takes to talk like that. I know. My voice hurts already. <laughs> yeah, I was like just watching you. I could tell. It was a lot of effort. My neck is like widening out like a toe. Just like. <laughs> a lot of pushing in some way. <laughs> If I ever have a baby someday, which is a zero percent chance, based on how my voice sounds now, um, I can just imagine me like giving birth and just being like, "When is the baby?" <laughs> such a sight! Oh my god! <laughs> Be like Anna, revert back to your normal self. I can't. <laughs> I need to watch it again. I liked it a lot because it actually had a really good message. Big Mouth? Big Mouth. Oh, so you did watch it? Yeah, I, I've seen okay. at least an episode or two. Yeah. And I was like, this is pretty good. Yeah, this it's is a really good, good show. About. Yeah. But do they swear and stuff? Oh. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's inappropriate scenes. It is not for children. Okay. Even though it's a cartoon. Oh, bummer. Because that's who would benefit from that kind of stuff. <laughs> about the puberty. Well, yeah. That's the, what I mean. At this point. They'd be like, oh, mom. <laughs> Although kids these days would probably be like, that's normal. I'm way past that. <laughs> I know all the swear words, mom. Okay, story time. <laughs> all right, I won. I get to go first. Yep. All right, I have five sources. <clears throat> um, four of them come from www.wasaw.com. W S A W. I thought you were going to say Wasser Buffle. Wasser Buffle! <laughs> And one came from waow.com, mm. and they all center around a couple. Mm. And I d wanted to start out with, I found I didn't know how to say the last name, so I googled it as one does. Okay. And there's a site that says um, how to pronounce or something. Mm -hmm. So I went on there and typed it in, and it had like three different versions, of course. Cool. Not okay. straightforward. Right. <laughs> there was Jude's. I think it's Yidis. Or Yudas. 
So I'm very different. Yeets. Yeets. <laughs> so I'm I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but I'm gonna go with Udas. Okay. I'm just I accept. Go forward with that. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Alright, so this the first portion was written in twenty eleven. And it's sort of um it was five years after the event happened. And okay. it'll be quite clear in the first sentence what happened. <laughs> quite clear. Quite clear. Okay. okay. And most of it's um verbatim okay. with some changes in it. Yep. <clears throat> okay, so more than five years after the murder okay. of fifty eight year old Ken Yudas, no rests have been made. <laughs> And the one person of interest that detectives have identified tells us they're focusing on the wrong person. Mm. The one person of interest is Ken's widow, Cindy Schultz Yudas, who, who maintains her innocence. Mm. She and other members of Ken's family speak to us about the final hours of his life. Mm. His mom, Margaret, says, I'm not giving up. I tell everybody I'm not giving up. Mm -hmm. And this is cute because I think he was, um, she was interviewed on, Margaret was interviewed on her birthday. Okay. And she's like, normally on this day I'd be expecting a visit from her son, yeah. Ken. Yeah. She's like, he would always bring me the biggest bouquet or hanging basket. Mm. Those gifts um, stopped coming in 2006 mm. when the father of four was murdered. Mm. Margaret says that was, quote, the worst year of my life. Yeah. News Channel 7 reporter Bao Bang asked lead investigator detective Sean McCarthy of the Marathon... There's lots of verb... Er, You're getting so many words today. I'm so saying. sorry. <laughs> okay, so the reporter Bao Bang asked the lead investigator at the sheriff's department, where was Ken's body found? And the de detective says, on his bed in his bedroom. On a warm Monday morning... No. On a warm morning of Tuesday, August 30th, mm -hmm. Detective McCarthy says dispatch received not one, but two 911 calls from Cindy Udas, mm -hmm. Ken's wife, from the town near Hall and Colby. What state? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. Cindy told authorities that she didn't know what happened to Ken because she didn't sleep in her room that night. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Quote, it was only natural that when I came down with a sinus infection in August of 2006, the duckling was the only place to go to rest, unquote. It'll be explained what that is. Okay, because I'm looking at you like, what? I had no idea either. That was but like a mad lip put together. <laughs> it'll, it'll be clear in a second. Okay. So that's what Cindy says, um, why she wasn't in the house mm -hmm. that night. She said that around 8 p.m., that Monday night, she left their home and walked around the back and fell asleep inside the Duckling, which is a small camper just outside of the home. So it must be a brand or oh, okay. a style no, type. Or... I thought it was just like, and then I went to, like, she went to, like, an inn or something. Yeah. Like, I got a sinus infection, therefore I had to go sleep at a hotel. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> so I was like, okay. as do I. Yes, just leave. Yeah. Fine. So she sleeps in the duckling overnight, and then the following morning at 8.30, she says she woke up and found Ken dead with two gunshot wounds to the chest. Cindy remembers that morning, quote, I'll never forget it. It was horrible. Yeah. As it would be. Yeah. Cindy said she tried to dial 911 from a landline inside of her home, mm -hmm. but was so in shock that she couldn't physically move her fingers. Instead, she ran to a neighbor's house. Hmm. Quote, what Cindy did was, after running to the first house, she left there after calling 911, went home, and jumped into her minivan, drove up the road to this other house, which is about a half a mile away, and had them call as well. Unquote, says Detective McCarthy. So she had, okay, let me just make sure I get this mm -hmm. clear. So then she went to, like, a next-door neighbor first? Yeah, someone close enough to run to. Okay, so and then had them call 911. Mm -hmm. Then she proceeded to get into her minivan mm -hmm. and drive to another neighbor's house to have them also call mm -hmm. 911. You got it. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he continues, You can hear her kind of wailing or making some noises along that effect and just reporting that there was blood all over and all over her husband. Hmm. <clears throat> 
Shortly after, the Marathon County medical examiner arrived, and in his professional opinion, Ken had been dead for hours. Mm. Quote, I'm really cautious estimating time of death because there are so many factors, environmental factors, factors with the bodies, (laughs) but I can tell you between, um, probably between 12 and 18 hours roughly that Ken had been dead. Okay. Says John Larson. That means whoever fatally shot the father of four did so on Monday evening, Mm -hmm. a thought so disturbing to Ken's mother, Margaret. Mm -hmm. He was here all that day, Margaret says. He came and mowed the lawn and trimmed the hedge and all that. So he came back up to say goodbye at 4.30 and went home. So I said, I suppose you're going home to make supper. Because he had told me that Cindy wasn't feeling good. He said, nope, I'm going to go home and work on my deck. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. On his deck? Deck. Deck, okay, On his good. deck. Because that's not what I heard. What do you hear? You know what I would have heard. The other letter? Yeah, okay. so that makes a little fun. On his deck. Deck. D-E-C-K. Thank you. <laughs> so he gave Margaret, and I'm assuming another person, he gave us a hug and then said, you guys are the best parents a guy could have. Isn't that cute? Cute little Ken. Yeah. Cindy says she was at home to greet Ken when he returned, mm-hmm. but went, went to bed in the camper early in anticipa- anticipation mm-hmm. of the possible arrival of a foster child early the next morning. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Cindy says she was sleeping soundly and never heard the gunshots. Quote, she was a person of interest from the onset Mm -hmm. onset of the investigation. Mm -hmm. And why? Clearly, she has opportunity. Mm -hmm. She was there that night. She told us that. She reported it the next morning. I mean, she was the one who found him. Mm -hmm. Unquote. Mm -hmm. Cindy says, I know that Marathon County has deemed me a person of interest. I fully understand that. I was the one who found his body. I know the difference between a person of interest and a suspect. And they would have been remiss if their duties in their duties if they had not. Yeah. So she understands. <laughs> How nice. So nice. Uh, um, Cindy provided the reporter mm-hmm. with the results of a lie detector test that she agreed to take in late 2006, which shows that she was being honest when she said she didn't fire the shot that killed her husband, Ken. Mm. She says any rumors that she would have killed him for money are off base. Hmm. Quote, Ken didn't have any money. <laughs> Everything that we had was mortgaged. 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 We're like right there, but we're not. Yep. Yep. Our, our incomes together would have surpassed any amount of money that would have been out there to claim due to his death. So him yeah. living was more beneficial than him dying. Yep. But investigators say she did benefit. Receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars thanks to multiple life insurance payouts and the sale of his property. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cindy has her suspicions on where the motive might lie. Mm-hmm. She says she had provided information about who she thinks is responsible for the crime to the Department of Justice, but no one has ever been named a person of interest in the case. Hmm. Other than her, I'm assuming. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> Clues investigators have received since the death have been surrounded in mystery. Just six months after Ken's murder, a letter showed up with cryptic details. They say only the killer would know what... It was It was the Zodiac killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did it. So they lived in... Let me look again. The town of Hall near Colby. And they also said that this letter that was sent came from St. Paul. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. How far away is Colby we, from St. Paul? We Google? Yeah. Colby, Wisconsin. Is that what the cheese is named after? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. We're going to do two Googles for you guys. Googleies. Oh, that's a really cool noise. Yeah. 133 miles or so. It's like an hour and a half away. About two hours and 12 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Super close. Uh, I don't want to buy cheese. I just oh, Kobe cheese. <laughs> Kobe cheese name. 
Let's go to cheese.com. <laughs> <laughs> it will tell us. Originally called Colby Swiss Cheddar. Yeah. 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 It was developed by a guy near his cheese factory near Colby, Wisconsin. Oh, cute. Okay. All right. It's Colby Swiss, Wisconsin. We've got one mystery solved. <laughs> Check. Check. All right. So this is the detective talking. We received an anonymous letter which we believe to be authored by the killer. Mm. It was received um, with a St. Paul, Minnesota postmark. Mm. That person out there that sent this certainly had information, and I certainly like to think that they had, if they had information to share, they would come forward or come forward in some form, one way or another, and produce or provide the information that we're seeking. Mm. Detective McCarthy, let me just say, lots of words, mm. could use less. <laughs> <laughs> He found a dictionary one day and was like, so many words I can use now. <laughs> the murder weapon, a shotgun, has never been recovered, mm. but the detectives believe it may hold a lot of answers. Inve investigators say they noticed a shotgun belonging to Cindy was missing after mm. the murder. But she says it was taken from her home a year earlier. Because they hadn't ever recovered their weapon, they haven't been able to determine if it was the gun used in the crime. Mm. Detective McCarthy says, You're just hoping for that one piece of evidence or information or tidbit that weighs the scales a certain way or tips it. Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking for. Tips it. Yep. yep. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Another Marathon County investigator says their frustration doesn't compare to that of the families. And that's cool. That's true. Yeah. The unsolved murder is all taking its toll on everyone after five years, especially his mother, mm -hmm. who doesn't want another birthday to pass without learning who killed her son. Yeah. The reporter asks, what would you like to be done with this case? And Margaret says, justice to be served. Mm. By all means, I want to know what happened. Mm. Um, and then in early, so that was in 2006, in mm -hmm. 2007, Cindy um, offered up $25,000 of her own money as mm. a reward for anyone who has information about Ken's murder and that can lead to an arrest and conviction. Mm. The Udas family also has done a, or contributed a $20,000 reward as well. Okay. All right. A key element, as we sort of learned, is that there's a missing murder weapon. Mm-hmm. The sh which was the shotgun that was used to kill Kenneth. Mm -hmm. Court documents reveal that Cindy's ex-husband told detectives that Cindy was given a 20-gauge shotgun after their divorce in 2002. Okay. When detectives asked Cindy about the shotgun, she told them that Kenneth's son had stolen the shotgun a year earlier. Interesting. Records show that members of the sheriff's office had been to the Udas residence a total of 10 times in the 15 months prior to Ken's death. Ooh, and okay. a report about a missing gun was never made. And to date, the murder weapon has never been found. I think that's interesting. Yeah. That's very key. I, I think that is interesting. Interesting. Um, it's just interesting. I mean, how many times have you had the cops out to your house? Domestic violence. Non percent Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't explicitly say why, but yeah, zero no. percent, zero. Except for the, did I ever tell the story of when I saw that weird truck outside and I called the cops on the podcast? I'm not sure if you did. <laughs> when I, the day that I found out that uh, UPS or FedEx or whatever uses like random people to help uh, <laughs> transport packages, and I thought there was some sort of high robbery going on outside my house. <laughs> yeah, Anna basically thought that they had to hijack this UPS mm -hmm. truck and they were like mm -hmm. distributing packages yeah. to different vehicles yeah. and then tearing off. And then just leaving the scene and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, we got an accomplice now. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful because we got live updates yep. as an internal friend group. Yep. We were just like, yes, tell us more. Yeah. And then later on learned no, the uh, that, that was just normal business. Contract workout. Yeah. So that's, okay. the, that's the only time that a cop has ever come to like my neighborhood <laughs> because of me calling the cops. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. 
Um, and, and I just think it's interesting that 10 times in 15 months. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm only assuming it's domestic violence related, mm-hmm. but they don't say it. I don't think they say it in any of the articles. But okay. It's an assumption. Just to repeat, it's an assumption. Assumption. Court documents also show that Cindy initially reported not being able to find Ken's will following his death mm. after life insurance policies of over one million were discovered. Cindy said she later found a copy of the will in a wedding photograph book dated from 2004. Detectives interviewed the attorney who signed the will, who said the signature looked like his, but the format was not prepared in a way that his office uses. Mm. The attorney also gave sworn a sworn deposition denying he was with Ken when Ken purportedly made the will. Interesting. Or that he had signed or witnessed it. Mm. Four years after Ken's death, court documents say a handwriting es- expert said Ken's signature on the will was, quote, probably not genuine. Mm. There's some fishy business happening here. Mm. Ken's blood alcohol content at the time of his death was one, no, point one nine two percent okay and point oh eight is the normal yeah so it's it's high but it's not like yeah bonkers bonkers <laughs> despite cindy telling detectives that ken had had at most two cans of beer on the night of his death mm-hmm. his mother who spent the day with him the uh before he died mm-hmm. said that he had declined beer that day and that she had not seen him drinking any alcohol mm-hmm. interesting a note with the word was also found next to the body stabbed through with a kitchen knife um stabbed through the note the pillow oh and the note dang next to ken okay am i making sense yeah okay yeah (laughs) i was like wait that was weird i like how that's just the only word that's (laughs) (laughs) like what the b word the b word yeah i almost said the b word but i'm like you can say it yeah You're a big girl. (laughs) Ken's mom told detectives that despite appearing to have a good relationship with Cindy prior to Ken's death, Cindy did not make any attempts to call or check on her after Ken's death. Mm. Cindy also decided to have her own funeral for Ken, chose to cremate him, Mm. and did not provide portions of Ken's remains to any of his four biological children. Just not good behavior. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Doesn't necessarily point to criminal activity, yeah. but it's just not good. Just interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Put it in the interesting bucket. Mm-hmm. The criminal complaint says no blood was found on her clothes when Cindy reported her husband is dead, mm-hmm. despite significant blood at the scene of the crime, and Cindy purportedly administrating administ- yep. burst aid. Okay, yeah, that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had gone to a neighbor to call for help, saying the phone at her house was, quote, screaming, an indication that a fast, busy signal, and it was off the hook or something. Well, originally she said she was too shocked to make a call. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting bucket. <laughs> Another one, and the next line will be two. Mm-hmm. Later, other phones <clears throat> were found on the hook at her home. Mm-hmm. But one phone in the garage was found off the hook. Mm. During a phone interview with uh, News Channel 7 in 2011, Cindy said she told authorities she didn't know what happened to Ken because she didn't sleep in the couple's home that night. She said she had slept in the camper, which we know, mm-hmm. because she had a sinus infection. A what? The, a sinus infection. Okay. At the probable cause hearing earlier this month, um, who is this person? I'm sorry. Somebody. Mm-hmm. Said the camper would have been extremely hot that she mm-hmm. would um, express, wait, that she had expressed dislike of the camper in the past and that there were other rooms in the house that would have better suited her illness, mm-hmm. including a bedroom in the basement. Mm-hmm. 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 Interesting. Mm-hmm. Slightly more interesting bucket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so um, as of that article, a judge was expected to rule if there was enough evidence on December 20th mm-hmm. to 
have Cindy's, you know, proceed to trial. So sure. at this point, she's more than a person of interest. They're she's like charging like a suspect. Her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now is is it this year? Or uh, at the time of the article. So um, I think it actually was in December 2020. Okay. Bleeding. What happened? I cut myself yesterday. Oh, no, I just bleeding? broke open, yeah. Okay. Like, um, you just, like, pointed out to me, like... <laughs> I had to put my injured... <laughs> like, I can't even see it, so I'm just kind of like... Yeah. I, I had to put my injured, what's it called, body part in the air above your head, right? Yes. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> um, if convicted, she can face life behind bars. All right. Mm. A little bit more. Mm-hmm. Special Prosecutor and Assistant Attorney General Richard DeFore cites strong financial motive and re- relationship issues as a major part of the case against Cindy. Mm-hmm. She was named as the only recipient in multiple life insurance policies, mm-hmm. totaling almost $1 million, mm-hmm. one of which was nearing renewal at the time of his death. Mm-hmm. She was also the only beneficiary in a will mm-hmm. found after his de- uh, death, which had been the target of questions regarding its validity. Sure. <clears throat> Let's see... <clears throat> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Moment. Mm-hmm. Moment. Mm-hmm. So the um, assistant attorney general and Marathon County District Attorney said last December, so 2020, both means and motive were found as probable cause to hold Cindy on a one million dollar cash bond. Oh, an A. Okay. All right. So she's definitely charged, right? Mm-hmm. So. As part of her defense against the murder of her husband, Cindy has offered the names of five individuals. Interesting. She alleged, uh, says alleged, allegedly carried out the act. According to court documents, um, Cindy claims that five individuals, which this newspaper chooses not to identify, mm. were all involved in the murder of Ken on August 29, 2006. Allegedly... Ken, Cindy, and a third person were involved in a lawsuit against individual one mm-hmm. over a sale of a racetrack. <laughs> According to court documents, individual one believed that Ken and his wife were... Oh, if Ken and his wife were dead, the lawsuit would cease. So Weird. didn't kill Cindy then. Right, he just left Cindy alone. Yeah. It's because she was in the camper. <laughs> They're like, where is she? <laughs> oh, we'll just leave. <laughs> all right, it's all done. Gone. There were also concerns from individual one that Ken would disclose alleged drug trade activity between himself and individual one, hmm. along with the other four during the course of the lawsuit. Hmm. Um, Ken claims that, um, I'm sorry, Cindy claims overnight on August 29th, the individuals two through five <laughs> arrived at the um, Udas house mm-hmm. on individual one's direction. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, you four, go to his house. You go. <laughs> Kill him and the wife. Mm-hmm. Huh? If you can't find her, just go. Just leave. <laughs> she claims individual four drove and remained in the vehicle while the other three entered the home and allegedly carried out the murder. Mm-hmm. No charges have yet been filed for any of the five people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it does say that they need time to review the claim. Sure. Yep. So, where's your calendar? Oh, gosh. Okay. Pull it up. All right. Do I have to put it down on my calendar? If you want to. Okay. Um, this trial will start October 11, 2021. Okay. And they estimated it will go through November 12th. So, about a month. A little over a month. So, interesting, right? Yeah. Interesting. Exciting. Mm-hmm. At least to see what happens, what the results of it is. Um, interesting, her allegations. Mm-hmm. Individuals one through five. <laughs> one through five. Um, what do they have to say about it? What do you think about that? Could it be? Could it be Why like didn't her? she say all this stuff at the beginning? That's what years I'm thinking. Years ago. Ten like, years ago. When she thinks to herself, like... Hey, BTW, we were involved in this lawsuit. Maybe you should check out these five yes. individuals. It's interesting that at least how the articles are written, that it just came up. Yeah. Because it says it's part of her defense. Yeah. Like, so it's like... Yeah, and she didn't think, like, 
about it originally. Yeah. I think it's highly suspicious. Very interesting. Is it hogwash? <laughs> Potentially. It's <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> I can't even say it. Um, I think it's interesting, too, that they had the cops there many times. Yeah. For whatever reasons. Yep. They've, um, the will is interesting. Mm-hmm. It didn't say that she never slept in other areas of the house throughout their marriage or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's just interesting this night. Yeah, that she chose to go outside. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's a sinus infection. It's not something you can catch from another person <laughs> yeah. as far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't write down the name, but if you're interested in following along, I'm mm-hmm. sure that Crime Network one I have referenced in the past, mm-hmm. the Twitter account okay. will probably at least give updates, if not live updates. Yeah. So okay. Keep it on your watch. Yeah. Liz. Mark it on your calendar. Literally. October 11, 2021. That's, that's Indigenous People's Day. Oh. Cool. Which... Brings us to my story. My story <laughs> is oddly connected to your story by I mean, a date? But sort of. I mean, not oh. really. But. Oh, okay. I was like, that's really weird, though, isn't it? <laughs> my story. Now, I had some background for this. My references come from, I'm not going to say one of them or two of them because I'll give it away right now. Oh, okay. One's from Smithsonian Magazine, Legends of America, mm. The Guardian. Haunted Illinois and Haunted Places. I love these ones. <clears throat> so this one, I mentioned it briefly last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was going to do it in a future episode. Is this the future episode? Yes, it is. Oh my this god! This is it. This is it, you guys. <laughs> I love it. My story is about the Cahokia Mounds, mm-hmm. also known probably just by me, but probably maybe other people, as the Midwestern Roanoke. Oh, I don't know that I've heard of this. Okay. First off, can you do me a favor and hand me a Kleenex from over there that does not have a spider web attached to it? Is this one? Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't tell. Thank you. How the heck do you spell Roanoke? Um, R-O-A-N-O-K-E. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to give some brief history. And I'm going to try to be as brief with it just because there's a lot. A lot of words. From what the, they found. Okay. So, Okay. So it's a prehistoric Native American civilization. It's the most preserved Native site north of Mexico. Oh, wow. The original name is unknown, but it was named after the Cahokia tribe who were living in the area when French explorers arrived in the 17th century. Okay. It's about 2,200 acres of land. Wow. They're just a few miles west of Collinsville, Illinois, which is just on the border of St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay. All right. It contains roughly 80 mounds of different shapes, sizes, and purposes. Mm. The city of Cahokia was larger than London, uh, was in 1250 AD, which had been about 14 to 18,000 people. Oh, wow. So it was massive. It was a big place, man. The city was established in 700 AD in North America by, I think they called it the Late Woodland People, which is like a type of culture. Lake Woodland people? Late Woodland. Late Woodland. The Mississippian culture, which is what the people were eventually, was developed by the people of Cahokia, Mm -hmm. emerging in 800 AD. This means that the culture was of like Midwestern, Eastern, and Southeastern areas. Okay. That's what Mississippian means. Okay. The community grew and expanded, its major food crop being corn pretty obvious since it was in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> the land of corns. Communities of pit houses, which were houses used for shelter, but also to store food and for cultural activities like singing and dancing and storytelling, were arranged around courtyards with central posts and pits. Okay. So it's basically kind of set up like there's like one big one and then a bunch of like little pit houses all over. All right. It is believed that many different indigenous ethnic groups live together in the mounds. By 1070 AD, new types of pottery and house styles were created. Complex chiefdoms were formed, and the population of Cahokia exploded as people from surrounding smaller villages began to move there. Sure. Evidence of an important leader was found buried at Mound 72, along with sacrificed individuals and other burial offerings. This mound is considered to have been very important 
It is located at the center of the area. Okay. At that mound, they found the skeleton of a man in his 40s, who's the, like, uh, really important person that they found, important leader, I should say, um, with 20,000 disc beads arranged underneath him in the shape of a falcon. Oh, wow. Yeah. About 200 other 50 skeletons were also found there, most of them being sacrifices. Hmm. Wikipedia, which is why I didn't say one of the first two sources, it's Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia! Uh, so that one area had, quote, a mass burial containing 40 men and women who appear to have been violently killed. Some of the, these may have been buried alive from vertical, from the vertical position of some of the fingers, mm-hmm. which appear to have been digging in the sand. Mm-hmm. It is apparent that not all the victims were dead when they were interred. Dang. That some had been trying to pull themselves out of the mass of bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Between 1100 and 1200 AD, roughly 20,000 people lived in Cahokia. This was known as, quote, the Golden Age. During this time, the people were created, well, excuse me, the people there created at least five different wood henges, which were posts made of from sacred red cedar that were used as calendars yeah. and lined up with the sun at indicating different times of the year. Love it. Next part. They were able to thrive so well as their location made for great trade routes, being in like that area, it's right by the Mississippi River, uh, to the north and south, and had valuable, wow, so many words. Lots of words. So many materials, excuse you, radiator, I'm speaking. Yeah. Okay. Materials like copper, handmade tools, and other items that were rare to other areas. Okay. In 1150 A.D., the largest earthen mound in North America was built, Mound 38, also known as Monk's Mound. Okay. By 1175, they had created a palisade wall used as a defensive measure that had guard towers and enclosed the Monk's Mound public spaces in other areas. Okay. By 1200 A.D., Cahokia population began to decline. It stayed as a major ceremonial center, though. By the late 1300s, it was almost completely abandoned. Dang! How do you go from, like, 20,000 to, like, crickets? Yeah. So, that's where we're getting to. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So, potential reasons for the abandonment. (laughs) funny. Okay. um, Include overhunting, deforestation, Mm. pollution. pollution, I was going to say pollutation. I was like, (laughs) no, that's not a word. Mm. The waterways were not clean. Okay, sure. Um, Flooding, droughts, impossible warfare from outside peoples. However, evidence was shown um, that the palisade walls of the mounds were not harmed, so they don't think that was probably the okay. case. Um, other reasons include disease or conquest-induced political collapse. So those yeah. are possibilities. Okay. Um, other cultures like the Oni... I apologize, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but it's Oniotas. Okay. Um, began to move into the area almost 100 years later. Okay. In the 1600s, Native Americans like of the Illiniwic or Illinois tribe lived in the mounds for about 20 years. So, all of this information that I've just given you, which is not even like all of the information, oh, I'm sure, place, yeah, was determined through excavation. Okay, there were. I was gonna say they had excellent record keepers. Yeah, they were. <laughs> you'd think that you know, like the Egyptians, where they've got like hieroglyphs and all these cool things. There was. There's virtually no written or oral stories about this place. Sure, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, Native American folklore has nothing about it. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a pretty amazing place. Yeah. Um, so it's led many to believe that whatever led to the decline of the village had to have been horrendous and was kept out of people's minds. So because of this, the area is pretty much a mystery. So it was like too too traumatic or too something yeah, that something either people happened. didn't want to remember mm-hmm. and wanted to move past it yeah. as a people. Yep, something okay. happened that just like erased it from history. Okay. So now we're going to get a little bit more into present time. Okay, sure. Early archaeologists determined the area was made up of isolated mo- monuments built by a mysterious race. And contributed to Vikings, Welshmen, and even Hindus. Basically, they whitewashed the area and buried the true history of Cahokia through their excavations. Sure. Okay. Yep. So early explorers called the people of Cahokia mound builders, which I mean, there's like 
mounds here in Minnesota. So there's like mounds here. Mm -hmm. So they're everywhere. I live by them. Yep. Hmm, interesting. I do. Okay. In 1839, an ethnologist named Samuel G. Morton determined that the remains of the people buried in Cahokia were ancestors of the Native American people, as they matched remains of Native Americans who had, like, recently passed away. Okay. People didn't believe him, though, <laughs> stating that it had to be a lost race of people and not Native Americans. Okay. Until about 1881, when the Smithsonian mounted a special investigation led by Illinois naturalist and archaeologist named Cyrus Thomas. Okay. Thomas himself was a believer in the lost race theory, and it took seven years and thousands of artifacts for him to change his mind and realize that the lost race they were looking for was, in fact, the early Native Americans. Okay. So. Good. Um, there's still, I'm going to get to some other stuff here. Okay. From hauntedillinois.com. According to legend, not entirely sure if this is part of it, but it was part of like a website that was talking about it. Okay. Okay. According to legend, a bearded and robed god visited the mound builders and inspired them to love one another, live in harmony with this land, and build the great earthen works. But later, they degenerated back to human sacrifice and warfare. Mm -hmm. The Natchez were described by the French as being the most civilized of the native tribes. But it was later reported that in 1725, the death of a chieftain touched, touched off a sacrificial orgy with several aides and two of the man's wives agreed to be strangled so they could escort him into the next world. Which, it could be that important leader that was like... Oh, yeah. So, yep. that was interesting, but not entirely sure if that's part of it because, again... Yeah, it's more like more questions. Yeah. Like, what a <laughs> yeah. So, it said whether this also attributed to the decline of the Kokia culture is still up in the air. Okay. Today, the area is a National Historic Landmark okay. with a museum and interpretive center. Mm -hmm. It is also a World Heritage Site. You can tour the area, not right now because of the mm -hmm. pandemic, mm -hmm. um, take classes there, and take part in other programs year-round, although, you know, again, temporarily closed because of the pandemic. <laughs> um, and archaeological digs still continue to learn more about Cahokia and find more artifacts. All right. Many Native American people and metaphysical groups believe that the Cahokia Mounds are a place of powerful psychic energy, and in August of 1987, a group of 1,000 people met at the Monk's Mound to take part in a harmonic convergence to bring about world peace. IDK, that really helped though, but I like the harmonic idea. Harmonic convergence. Convergence, yeah. I, like, I like the idea. Mm-hmm. Now, we're gonna finish this off here with fireworks. Fireworks. Oh my gosh, okay. Let me just back up for a moment. Did you watch the celebration thing last Wednesday from the inauguration? No, but I saw it later and I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, so did you see all the fireworks that yeah, they did? Yeah, I saw pictures of it. So, okay, it kind of made me laugh because then, like, they had Katy Perry sing Firework, oh, yeah. which I was just like, what a wonderful song to <laughs> like, Not like God Bless America, <laughs> Star Spangled Banner, something like America. It's just like, do you feel like a plastic bag? <laughs> That ignites. Yeah, <laughs> like Rachel Maddow. Like once the firework display was over, she was just like, "Well, those were all the fireworks in America. If anybody needed fireworks, sorry, sorry, <laughs> we're out. We're done. Okay, could it be haunted? Okay, people have reported eerie feelings while walking around the mounds. Later, learning that like that area was a burial mound. Okay. Um, a person reported hearing tribal drums while coming down from a large mound, possibly the monk mound. Mm -hmm. Some people feel as if they are not alone or that they're being watched while walking around the mounds. Okay. And here's a really kind of creepy story. Mm -hmm. I'll finish off. One creepy story from a visitor. This is verbatim. I went there a few years ago with some friends. While walking up the stairs to the top, we took a video as we climbed and counted the stairs. We got to the top, looked around, and then went back down and left. The entire time we were there, no other visitors came. However, later on, I watched the video we had taken, and as we're walking up the stairs, a little girl is seen skipping down the stairs on the other side. Probably seven, eight years old, completely alone. Mm. Just skipping down the stairs, but we were the only ones there. It still creeps me out to this day. Yeah. So that is kind of the brief history 
of, excuse me, the Cahokia Mounds, the Midwestern Roanoke. I like that. Yeah. I like the historical information because it's mm -hmm. like, that's a big freaking town. Mm-hmm. 20,000? Mm-hmm. I mean, they kept kind of calling like an area or a village, and I'm like, that's a city. <laughs> a lot and a substantial one. Yeah. And it made sense why they maybe had to leave because... Oh, yeah. If it was... Oops. Resources mm -hmm. and dirty water, like, you yeah. can't survive. Yeah, you'd have to leave at some point. Yeah. But it's just because there's, like, no written history. It's like, well, what was the exact reason? Mm -hmm. What was the reason? As Cardi B would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, it's hard to hear over this thing. Uh -huh. I'm so sorry for our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> there's a radiator that's just, like, deciding to do an interpretive uh Bongo dance. dance right now. When I was taking one of my finals back in college here, yes. um, my the room we were in proceeded to have the radiator do that the whole time, the entire time. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I failed the test because <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> giving you anxiety. Mm -hmm. Thinking about it. Yeah. All right, gang. All right. So if you. <laughs> if you want to reach out to us, you can send us a DM or chat with us on our Instagram, Northern Frights Pod, Northern Frights Pod, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or email us at northernfrights19 at gmail.com. And as always, feel free to, or please do, mm -hmm. rate us on, um, what's it called? Apple. iTunes. Apple iTunes. <laughs> and give yeah. us a five-star review. We'd yeah. love it. We would love to have a review. Because <laughs> we'd like to reach out to more people. Yes. So that they can learn about our nonsense. Our nonsense. Okay. Have a good day, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Bye.